So today, as part of our podcast here, which is powered by Upside Global, we have the honor to interview Dr. Ron Dick, uh, Associate Professor of Sports Marketing at Duke University in the School of Business. So Ron, as some of you may know, worked for 20 years in sports, including 15 years in the NBA with the Sixers and the Nets, and then four years in the NCAA. So Ron, nice to see you again on the show. Great to have, have uh, be aboard here and be part of the podcast with you, Julian. Thank you. Great. So, uh, so Ron, what I want to talk to you, and there's a lot to talk about. Uh, there's first talk about the MLB uh, lockout, and then we'll talk yes. about the Russian-Ukraine uh, uh, situations and the impact on sports. Uh, we'll talk also about what's going on with the metaverse. Uh, we'll talk about uh, Jen Harden getting traded to the Sixers, uh, the situation with Aaron Rodgers, and so on. How does it sound? Sounds great. Great. So, you know, first topic I want to touch on was, you know, the MLB lockout. So basically, from what I understand, right, this week, the MLB Player Association agreed to reject the MLB final best offer. So now the MLB commissioner, Rob Manfred, announced the cancellation of the first week, right, of the season. Uh, It's the first time since 1994 and 1995 that the league has canceled games due to a labor dispute. Okay, yeah. so what is yeah. your take on this whole situation? I, I think it's, I side with the players on this primarily. I yeah. think they're fighting, they're fighting to get some rights for the players, not on the high end, but, but more so on the, uh, the middle level type players. Yeah. Uh, obviously, they want to get to free agency as quickly as possible to players, which is currently six years three years of service time to get to arbitration and the players would like to move that up to uh, two years if possible. There's a lot of uh, people that feel that the owners had this in mind the whole time of negotiating. Uh, They wanted this. They want to try to break the union apart if they, if they can. And there's a lot of people that believe once we start affecting their paycheck, then they will eventually kowtow and uh, sign something that the owners have presented. Every commissioner is different. Uh, I think the commissioner in the NBA is more of a player's uh, owner. And yeah. the, uh, the power that they have is very, very strong with the players yeah. union in the NBA. And I think the MLB uh, owner is more of a uh, commissioner that, that sides with the owners. Okay. Uh, he, he snickered recently and uh, that got a lot of attention by the media that there's nothing funny about this when we start missing games and they all think they have options and they all think they have more time. And the fact is both, both are, are running out of time because there's no sport of the four major sports that can, can handle this uh, work stoppage like we did have in 94. And I remember that like it was yesterday, it was August 12th. And in that particular case, they did not have an agreement. They were playing without an agreement for a year and the players had 80% of their money in, in their wallet and they decided not, they decided to strike, uh, meaning we're not coming to work. And uh, in some of those cases, you have replacement players and things, but they, they, the owners decided not to do that. And we didn't have a World Series in the fall of 94. And it took a lot to get the general population to get back on board with going to, to uh, MLB. There was a lot of people that were very upset, a lot of fans. And they talked about millionaires versus billionaires. 
And that certainly is the case uh, with the billionaires at this point. So that, that uh, I, I got a feeling this might last a little bit. Uh, yeah. One of the downsides, if it is solved, uh, when, when it is solved, and eventually it will be, uh, there's going to be a rush of free agencies that we've never seen before. Uh, November of 21, we had a, what they spend, $1.7 billion in player salary with the high-end players. Well, there's going to be so many deals and uh, running to the doctor to get a physical. Yeah. There's so many unsigned, really good players, star players in the league uh, that are just kind of on hold. And then the other concern is from a physical standpoint, like if we don't have a five, six week training camp, if we try to have like a three week training camp, how many guys are not really working out right now and not, and not in mint condition, and then they're going to be rushed. And then that's going to lead to, uh, that's going to lead to injuries. So there is a little bit of concern that on the player side. And, and, and best case scenario, when do you think where the MLB season would start? Are we talking about two weeks, three weeks, a month? I think it's anybody's guess. I don't think the owners are going to budge. I think I look at a guy like Max Serzer, who is 37 years old. And I remember when uh, he signed that free agent contract coming out of uh, Detroit yeah. for seven years, 21 million. Yeah. And people thought that was crazy to give a pitcher $30 million a year. And yeah. now looking back in hindsight, yeah. uh, they're calling it the greatest signing free agent history. Yeah. Yeah, for major league, major league baseball and maybe of all sports, and of course they won the whole thing in in nineteen, the Washington Nationals. So now he he gets traded to the Dodgers. He's in the pennant race now. He's a complete free agent again, and he just signed a three year deal for forty three million dollars per year, and I think that makes him the highest paid or one of the top two highest paid players in baseball history. So let's take his $43 million divided by 162, which is the number of games played. He makes uh, $265,432.09 per game, whether he pitches or not. Yeah. So how many more years is Max gonna, going to play? Where will he be at in three years when he's 40? Probably not in the same position he is now, maybe. But uh, the bottom line is he's not doing this for himself. He's already got his money. He's doing it for the mid-range players. And yeah. at what at what point does does he, as a leader of his team, uh, team spokesman? You know, every player has a play. Every team has a player's rep, uh, and uh, they get their heads together. And normally, the union falls in line. So, and everybody gets a vote. That's part of the union. At some point, he's going to say, I, I've got to get mine, too, right? Because I, how many of those checks do I want to miss? So it, it's it's getting the real money now. And uh, I think eventually the, the players, I'm not going to maybe fold is, is a harsh word. I think the players are going to probably have to agree to some of these terms, even though yeah. both sides have a great disdain for each other. I think you're right. Uh, let's see how it plays out. So uh, one of the examples that one of the examples I recently heard was, okay, like this whole service thing and you mm -hmm. get like so many options as a player. And then once your options are up and basically that just means being sent down, up and down, up and down. I think it can be sent up and down five, six, seven times. So there's some players out there, relievers in particular that have played in the major league baseball for seven years, but because they've been sent down to the triple A so many parts of seven years, they don't have two full years of service. 
which means they can't even go to arbitration, even though they played in parts of seven years in MLB. The players feel that that's very unfair to those players. Yeah. Like it, it's complicated. It's complex. So I hope that um, at the end of the day, they, they, you know, they start the season and we get to the bottom of this. So um, thanks for, for your insight. So the next topic, obviously, you know, that's kind of top of mind is Russia. Russia, uh, the conflicts with Ukraine, uh, Vladimir Putin, you know, invading Ukraine. Uh, you know, we've seen this week, for example, the UEFA uh, is moving the Champions League final out of St. Petersburg. Uh, you know, there's a couple of sports organizations um, making similar moves. Uh, I think the International Olympic Committee started, stated that it strongly condemned the breach of the Olympic truth uh, by the Russian government uh, in the Bundesliga, which is the, the German soccer league. Uh, Chaika Nunfir, one of the clubs, removed the name of uh, Russia's state-owned natural gas company, Gazprom, from his jersey. And then also uh, Chelsea Football Club, which is owned by Roman Abramovich. Uh, was Russian and apparently uh, has some ties with with Putin is not selling the club. So, what is your take on this whole uh, Russia, uh, you know, Ukraine saga and the impact on sports? So, usually, when one country invades another country, they come up with excuses on why they think they should do that. And yeah. uh, I guess it was uh, Ukraine is looking at the NATO situation and maybe joining NATO, and then that would have a country right on the Russian border. Uh, I, I don't see how this was provoked at all. And uh, it was very unfortunate, but we, ha we have a, a whole review of literature on this. And we can go back to 1980 uh, when the Russians did something that caused Jimmy Carter, our president at the time, to pull our all of our Olympians from the Moscow uh, summer games. Yeah. And it's amazing how some people don't even remember what the Russians did that, that upset us so much. And, and what they did was they invaded Afghanistan, yeah. which then we, we supplied uh, not forces, not humans, but tanks, planes, bullets, bazookas, whatever, whatever they needed for war to Afghan, Afghanistan. And then, of course, that was the rise of bin Laden. So, we, you know, he was our friend at that point. Um, yeah. So whenever politics collide with sports, usually sports really suffer. And um, in this case, yeah, and not only is it Olympic problems and taking names off jerseys and pulling out businesses, the whole Russian economy seems to be getting crushed by this decision. Mm -hmm. And, and uh, unlike 1980, 42 years ago, there's, uh, there's a lot of things coming out of Russia that they're not supportive of it. And, uh, you know, I, I work with colleagues that are from Russia and they, they absolutely don't think that that uh, they should be there. They have no place in, in Ukraine. So it seems like it's the isolated thoughts of one person in particular to uh, to do this. And so what, what, uh, what do you think is invading uh, Ukraine? Is it for uh, he wants you know, oil and gas or what's going Why do you think he's doing this? I, I realize most of their land is frozen, but I mean, they have more than enough real estate. Uh, yeah. I guess he wants the nuclear plants that he took over just recently. He, yeah. he, he wants that port that would get him to a certain body of water that he doesn't have access to is the other thing I was told. Mm. So uh, I'm not that familiar ge geographically with uh, the Russian Ukraine border, but there was some sort of outlet that he wanted to get to mm -hmm. that 
enable him to move his supplies all over the world. And, and of course, you know, they're a big oil uh, exporter. So that's causing our our prices to go up here uh, with gas. It, it's yeah. it's really it's it, I mean the whole thing is a, is a hot mess. It's so unfortunate. Um, but you know I think sports is by far our least uh, concern right now. Um, the, my thoughts and prayers go to the the victims in Ukraine. Yeah, yeah. I mean it's okay. I hope it's not. We're not going to end up with a a third war. I really highly doubt it. Like I was in in, in Europe, London, and Paris last week. I felt like people were just living their lives. They were going about their business, going to work. Uh, and, and that's the way it should be. You just can't be scared. Or, you know, uh, well, he said, he, well, yeah, I mean, how, like anything in life, right? What, what can I control? Yeah. Uh, and he, 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 hopefully know the difference between what you can control and what you can't control. I, I, you know, he puts things on high alert for nuclear. And then he then stepped back and said, look, there, there's not going to be a nuclear war because, uh, World War Four would be fought with bows and arrows, right? We but we both. Uh, so that was comforting to hear that he he, he he's not going to go to that threshold. Yeah. But then again, of course, from the United States standpoint, in all fairness, there's only one country that crossed that barrier, and we did it twice within three days, and that was yeah. in sixth and ninth of forty-five. So, you know, you look at it from their perspective, like, hey, no one else has ever crossed that barrier but you. You know, so, yeah. so, you know, you look, it's a different perspective. Um, yeah. Well, I mean, let's see, let's see. I don't think anybody knows what's going to happen at this point. So hopefully it doesn't, it doesn't go to a situation where there's no way to, you know, we can't go back, but. Um, yeah, there'll be no winners in that type of scenario. And, and it was comforting to hear him say that. Yeah. Yeah, for sure. Uh, so the next topic. So um, I was in Europe last week. I was catching up with some clubs. Uh, in Europe, in soccer and rugby and Olympic organizations. And the, the number one question that they had was, okay, the metaverse, right? And mm -hmm. so the metaverse, you kind of explain that in very simple words. It's kind of like people think it's like those virtual experience, like Roblox type or, or Fortnite type experiences. To me, what was kind of revealing was all the clubs that I talked to, they want to take advantage of this, but they're not experts in that field. So you've got basically three types of, of groups of clubs. You've got the club that say, look, I want to be a pioneer. I want to be first. I want to do this. Then you've got the second group of people that are just in no rush to do this. They want to kind of wait and see, right? And then you have the third group of clubs who know exactly what they're going to do. They have their roadmap. They know when they're going to do it and how they're going to do it. My perspective is that I don't think there's any right or wrong for the clubs right now. Some clubs will make mistakes but they'll learn a lot along the way. So uh, as long as they, they think they have a strategy in place and they have the right partner, I think they'll be able to take advantage uh, of this and, and enter the metaverse successfully. Now, one thing I told the club was that because they have a wide range of fans, right? Anywhere from really young fans, teenagers, and then all the, all the age groups, you don't want to have a 100% virtual experience for the metaverse, like this gaming type Fortnite experience. You want to have an hybrid uh, approach where, yes, you've got, you offer those Fortnite type experiences, but then you can also offer like some, let's say, augmented reality experiences. So it's kind of a mix, right? So that way you can target a, a, a large spectrum of fans. Make sense? So, yes, it does. Yes, it does. And, and I can't speak for the European model quite as well as you can, but I can tell you, I remember a little less than three, a little less than uh, four years ago, this whole yeah. 
the night situation, the NBA was leading the way. And at that point, there were seven, eight, nine NBA franchises yeah. that had this group of primarily guys that would go from place to place with their joystick and they would compete. And today, every NBA team has a team of five, six, seven people that compete. And then we had these events in Vegas, New York, and they come in and they check your cell phone because, you know, like everything, everybody, everybody's looking for an angle to, to possibly cheat a little bit. Uh, and then we started having events that had like 1500 people at them, 2000 people, mostly younger, I'll say, you know, under 29, even under, under 25 that want to watch people compete with the joystick and watch it on the big screen. And then they can actually trash talk on the side. I just dunked on you with the joystick and, and I met some of these uh, athletes and, and let's be clear about this they really see themselves as athletes um, not maybe in the, wow, my body, I'm an Adonis, my body's in mid condition, but they believe the hand eye coordination and the dexterity that it takes to be really good at that is a skill. And that, yeah. that makes, that makes me an athlete. Uh, teenage boys in particular seem to really gravitate to not just playing, but watching. Yeah. So that's a demographic that a lot of people would like to get their product in front of, right? They are the mm-hmm. future leaders of tomorrow. So uh, it hasn't exploded, in my opinion, the way it was predicted that it would starting in 2018, but yeah. it definitely has gained ground and momentum as we've moved forward. Not as quickly as some had predicted, though. Yeah, no, I think you're right. Um the next topic I want to talk to you about was in the NBA, right? James Harden got mm-hmm. traded from the Nets to the Sixers. And you, you work for the Sixers, right? So yes. James Harden, um, and as a result of that, the, the, the Sixers jersey sales went up quite a lot. Uh, now, the thing is, in June, I think Harden will opt into a final year of his deal worth $47.3 million in 2022. And I think right. two months later, Harden would likely sign a four-year contract worth $223 uh, million, right? And yes. then he will turn 37 in 2026. So it would be the first in NBA history to make $60 million a year, okay? So yes. the problem is that I think uh, this season is uh, uh, shooting a career worst 33% from threes and second worst 41% from the field. So his stats are not as good as they used to be. Um, and, you know, I think he kind of have a history of not getting along with star players, for example, uh, Chris Paul or Westbrook or even recently uh, Kevin Durant and, and, and Irvine, right, Kerry uh, Irvine. So what's your take on this trade? Do you think it's, it's a good trade for the Sixers or what, what do you think? So the if you break down the trade, you you didn't mention Moray, who was the general manager of the Rockets and, yeah. you know, not digress here, but he's the one that had the seven word uh, tweet that sent the whole situation with China into a tizzy. Yeah. And, and, uh, and then LeBron fell on the other side of that, that argument. And yeah. he, he's the general manager of the Sixers and he wanted to retain Harden. They've had a lot of success together when Harden was younger and 
they gave up. I thought it was two first round picks. Yeah. Uh, they gave up Simmons who has refused to play for the Sixers, even though he lost millions and millions of dollars. And then they gave up two players, uh, Steph uh, Curry's brother, who's pretty, pretty darn good shooter in his own right. And then a guy named Drummond, who was a really solid backup power forward center type player, which, which really is is something that the Nets really needed too. So the Nets got, and Simmons to my knowledge has not played yet. Still hasn't played all year, but he's starting to get paid. So, and he has a big contract himself over 35 million a year. So as far as picking the, the, the immediate present, I don't see how the trade is bad for the Sixers. Uh, you, you have a uh, Simmons was not going to play there. And I want to talk about that and playing in Philadelphia for a second, but uh, to finish the trade, you have a guy who they haven't lost the game yet with Harden. Uh, I'm not as concerned about the option on the back end. Um, he's only remotely interested in playing defense. That's kind of mm-hmm. not his thing. So I don't see how you can give a person that kind of money yeah. uh, at that age, but, if they would win the championship this year or at least get to the NBA finals as Allen Iverson did in 2001, the energy level in that city would just be, you know, off the rails. So if they can get to the finals or they can win the finals, I, uh, how Do much you think they can? Work? Do you think they can? Uh, yeah. Yeah. I definitely think they can. Really? I definitely think they can get to the NBA finals. And if you can get to the finals, you should be able to win it. So, hmm. uh, Embiid is playing out of his mind. He could be the most valuable player in the entire league. And now you're teaming him, especially offensively, with a player. And they have a third player named Maxi, who was a great draft pick and uh, came out of Kentucky. And he's really blossoming into a star young guard also. So, yeah, I think they have the firepower uh, to do it. And now at the same time, the Nets are getting healthy. And well, we don't know what Simmons could do. You still got the Bucks sitting there. They're a really good team. You got the Bulls, DeRosa playing out of his mind, uh, best of his, his career. And he's had some a really good career with the Bulls. And then, you, of course, you got the Miami Heat. So you have a lot of really good teams in the East. But, yeah, I think the Sixers are right there. Interesting. Um, so playing in Philadelphia, like what happened to Simmons? Like what, what was the problem? Yeah, uh, he seems to be a very sensitive man, and 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 that is not the place you want to play if you're sensitive. I mean, like, I would cite Bryce Harper. I mean, Bryce Harper has made no excuses. They don't want to hear excuses. Like, this yeah. is a city, Philadelphia, that that loves Rocky Balboa. Yeah, and right. then because he's a little train that could, and then mm-hmm. Mike Schmidt, he's kind of aloof. Mike Schmidt is distant. He's unemotional. It's so easy for Mike because he's the greatest third baseman ever played baseball, which is quite a statement, I realize. Uh, they don't like him as much as they do a Lenny Dykstra uh, or a Rocky Balboa. So Harper's been fine there because he's, look, we got to get better. Like, that's what they want to hear. Like, I saw Beyonce at, at, uh, at 19 years old with Destiny's Child making oh, yeah. a fatal mistake in 2001 and wore a Lakers logo as she performed at halftime. The, the NBA back, you know, 21 years ago, we were starting to try to make it like the Super Bowl and have a halftime act at all, all games in the NBA finals, which could be as many as seven. And she went out there wearing a Lakers uniform, and she went out there with the, her two other uh, singer-dancers with Destiny's Child, and one of them had a Sixer logo, one had the Jerry West the silhouette logo, 
and they got a boovation, we call it. They oh. booed her, and then she cried, because I don't think at 19 years old she had ever been booed before. But welcome to Philadelphia. Mm-hmm. So that was an issue. And then Kobe Bryant made the fatal mistake in that same uh, finals when they won in the Western Conference in 2001. He was only five years into the league at that point. Yeah. The rest of the world. He, he, he's, he was grabbed on the court right after they clinched the Western Conference Finals and said, do you have any coming back home to Philadelphia at Lower Marion High School in 1996? What do you – what do you have to say to the Philadelphia fans? He made the fatal mistake of saying, I'm coming home to rip out your hearts. Like, let me just say in a long line of bad decisions, Kobe, I would put that at the top of the list. So then when they announced him in his hometown and number eight from Lower Marion High School, Kobe Bryant, he got a bouvation. And I'm going to tell you, I think I saw some tears there. And then his first shot was an air ball. So you know, don't tell me the fans can't affect the game a little bit. Uh, now, the Lakers did win the series. They lost the first game uh, at home when uh, Allen Iverson went off. And then the Sixers lost four straight. Interesting. And, and, and they were so upset that they, they – because the fans were going to light quarters and throw them at the – they, they celebrated on the center court of the floor. So what they did, they found a little broom closet in the back of uh, what is now called Wells Fargo. At that time, it was uh, core states. And they let the Lakers celebrate there because there was just too much negativity about the fans being irate to watch the Lakers celebrate on the court. Makes sense. Um, great, great, great stories, great insights. So the next topic is obviously in the NBA, LeBron James. There's been speculations that he might be on the way out from the yes. Lakers. Uh, but James, he's also, you know, he's going to be an unrestricted free agent in uh-huh. 2023. Uh, his contract doesn't include a no trade clause. And he's on $44 million next year. And James is eligible for a two-year extension worth, I think, $97 million, right? So yes. the Lakers are not doing so well. They're nine, nine seed. Uh, they're four game below, I think, uh, 0.5. So do you think that James is going to stay or is he going to leave? Now, I think he already came out in the media saying, basically, I'm going to stay. But what, what's your take on that? My first take is uh, that that whole organization needs to stop blaming two people for their failures. And those two people are Frank Vogel, who's a Wildwood, New Jersey guy. Yeah. And uh, he's just as smart today as he was when they won the championship in the bubble back in 2020. And they have to stop uh, blaming the king of the triple doubles with Oscar Robertson. And that's Westbrook. It's not their fault that they are losing. Uh, LeBron James, not only is the star player, he can call any play he wants, and he can be even the general manager. He handpicked these guys. Yeah. He handpicked Westbrook. He ha- he handpicked Davis, who I was a little surprised he was put in the top 75 players of all time in Cleveland. That was a little bit of a reach. Anthony Davis, uh, who is a complete China doll and never plays. He's constantly injured. He's the Sam Bowie of uh, – today's players and LeBron needs to take responsibility for that. But of course he's not. Basically, um, do you, so it looks like they, they picked the wrong guys. They've got injury issues. It, said, uh, Carmelo yeah. Anthony is giving you nothing. Carmelo Anthony, another hall of fame player that never won anything. And, yeah. and he's, uh, he's got to hang it up after this year. I mean, they, these, some of these players are, again, nobody wants to defend, you know, they just yeah. want to shoot the ball. And he's been a disappointment, and he's one of LeBron's buddies from the 03 draft. And I, it hasn't worked out. 
And LeBron needs to take responsibility for that. Now, the latest thing is you asked me, will he leave? Yeah. His new thing is, I want to play with my son. Uh, yeah, I saw that. I was going to ask you. Yeah. Very, well, at first blush, you'd say that this is crazy. Um, the kid can barely play in college, if at all. Huh. And and he, yeah, I don't know how good or bad he is, but he, he's not his dad. He's very small. Yeah. And, and you say, well, that really is inappropriate. But then again, the more you think about it, like, look at the owner of the New York Knicks. His name is Dolan. Mm-hmm. He's not done a whole lot in his life as far as success in business, but his dad used to own the team. So now he, he, he gets to be the owner. So LeBron, LeBron wants to use his equity and his brand name to pull up his son. Mm -hmm. And if some team, if some team is crazy enough to say, Hey, we get LeBron, we have to deal with this kid. Somebody will pay that price, and I take a wild guess, but I'll say I think the Cleveland Cavaliers would do. You that. think they will? Yeah, I, I think I think I think the the, the uh, formerly the Cadavers, they they would pay that price. Now you know the Quicken Loans guy, he has to make that decision, and as does the other members of the team. Yeah. But that team in particular kind of jumps out at me as a team that might do it. And it's a nice story for LeBron James too, right? You go back yeah. to your... Uh, and he's saying season. one year. He's saying yeah. one year. I want to play one year with my son. Okay, and, where you go? I mean, it's unprecedented. No one has ever done that before. Um, talk about nepotism. I mean, that's taking nepotism to a whole new level. Yeah. Um, but, but you know, that that might happen. Yep, yep. Um, look, I, it's interesting. I, I, we'll see. I mean, nobody knows right now, but... Um, so last thought, well, last topic I wanted to cover was uh, Aaron Rodgers, right, with the Packers. Yes. So uh-huh. there's a couple of uh, reports saying that s- several teams are reportedly, uh, you know, they made offers for Rodgers, uh-huh. uh, but according to ESPN, um, uh, Aaron Rodgers is going to give uh, an answer soon on that situation. So yes. do you think he's going to stay? Do you think he's going to go somewhere else? Or where do you think he's going to go? I think we have to wind this clock back a year ago with Aaron Rodgers and how he toyed with the Packers and a lot of media people really trashed the Packers on their front office, their general manager, their owner, their coach, and how they mishandled Aaron Rodgers and how dare you do this to one of the greatest quarterbacks of all time. You know, in all fairness to Aaron, he, he, his career really was suppressed in the beginning, very similar to Steve Young's with uh, the great Joe Montana in, with the 49ers. Yeah. You had Brett Favre kind of holding back Aaron Rodgers' career. And obviously you're talking about two of the greatest quarterbacks of all time, four of the yeah. greatest quarterbacks of all time. So he didn't get start play till like his fifth year. <laughs> and he – a year ago, we were questioning how he was handled. Should they have drafted this, traded up, and and drafted a quarterback, Love, uh, who was only well-known, to seems to be, by the Packers. And they didn't even have a conversation with a franchise quarterback like Aaron Rodgers. And he played that up to the hill. Here we are 12 months later, and Aaron has done some very strange things, Um He's estranged from his entire family, not just one member, but everybody. He says things that get people talking about him. He seems to really crave that. I'm sure he's a bright guy, but, uh, you know, he grew up in the San Francisco area. Yeah. So would he want to come back and play for the 49ers? I mean, that, yeah. that would be a possibility. 
I, I see the NFLs, they used to be just pieces of equipment, the players. You know, you got the helmets, the pads, the jerseys, the players. Now it's like the players are really starting to feel their power and mm-hmm. similar to the NBA. And I think if he identified a team he wanted to go to, like there's some rumors the Steelers now need a quarterback and they already have a great defense. So maybe that would be a good fit. And yeah. he'll float something out in the media to, to, to tantalize everybody's uh, taste buds. So I, I, I don't know what he's going to do. I don't even think he knows what he wants to do, but he loves what people like us are talking about him and about that situation. So you, yeah, I think you're right. So you, you did mention the 49ers. There has been, I've seen one report saying that maybe Tom Brady would come back or retirement and play for the 49ers. But then the Buccaneers were just said very quick to say, he's, you know, he's not going to play for any other teams. Uh, what do you think that Tom Brady is going to come back, get out of retirement? And then my second question is, what's next for Tom Brady, according to you? I've heard that too. Because um, as a child, that was his team growing up. Yeah. But I don't know that the 49ers are quite as equipped to get to the Super Bowl, though they had a great year as the Tampa Bay is. So will Brady come out of retirement? Uh, your guess is as good as mine. You don't know. But he's coming off a great year, like a great year. Yeah. And, and I, I don't know. I don't know that I could go out like that. And, and, and what do you think what's next for Tom Brady? Is it going to be kind of what Kobe Bryant did and have a – I mean, he already has lots of, you know, lots of businesses, right? So. Yeah. Yeah. He's pretty, he's pretty savvy as is Peyton Manning and Eli Manning with the media and yeah. on, on ESPN plus, and I get no money more or less, whether people watch this, I thought I saw a wonderful documentary on the great Michael Strahan. Yeah. And I think any, and, and this includes Tony Romo, who's really good too. Yeah. At making transition from what am I to so many of these players, sadly, they, you know, they're broke five years after they're retired, even though they made big money and they don't know, you know, I've been great at playing sports and yeah. now, now what? I have my degree. I don't have my degree. Uh, n- very few people. I mean, Magic Johnson's the one that everybody cites from a business standpoint, how great he was uh, oh, yeah. post, post playing with all his different companies. And Los Angeles is a great place to do all that. Oh, yeah. But the guy, that, as far as dealing with the media, I got to say, is Michael Strahan. And there was a piece on the transition from being a Hall of Fame football player with two Super Bowl ranks to, to being in the media. And he, he's just not sports. He's also on the Today Show. I mean, he, he's very impressive and very gregarious guy, but he works his butt off at it. Like, Michael's someone that, that takes it very seriously. Could Tom Brady do that similar to the way that Peyton and Eli Manning are doing it? And Michael Strahan, yes. Uh, Tony Romo seems to be another one that really understands. You're right, yeah, you're right. As far as what is he making? He won't even talk about how much money it is. It's like fifteen million dollars a year to do or more to do color analysts just for football. But Strahan does everything. So uh, that opportunity is out there for Brady. I don't know that he wants to explore it, and I don't know that his personality is quite as gregarious as some of these other people were, were uh, speaking about. Yeah, maybe his wife would say, "No, you know, you're not doing any of it." Yeah, exactly. Home. Thought I was to spend more time with our yeah. kids with uh, his wife. Giselle. That's right. Yeah. yeah, good point. So look, we're, we're at the end of the podcast, but as always, it's, it's great talking to you. Great insight. So thank you very much. Uh, looking forward to the next one. Uh, it's my, uh, my pleasure. And the other thing about the NFL, boy, has it become a 12 month a year leg? 
I mean, it, it is now we're talking about the draft. We're talking about free agents. We're talking about trades. I mean, that is the that number one sport in the, in the United States by far. And they've been able to make it a 12 month a year uh, talking point about the NFL. You're right. It's a, it's, it's a great league. So uh, great points. All right. All right. Thank you. Take okay. Bye-bye. Bye-bye.